1: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
2: You are listening to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast. I'm Spanners, the host and producer of Missed Apex Podcast. Did you guys miss me? I I finished editing the last show less than 12 hours ago. We had a feisty debate about our top five all-time greats, so make sure you check that out. I'm joined, though, by genuine F1 media legend, Joe Chop Chop Sayward. How's it going, Joe? No, you're not on mute. I've unmuted you.
3: Oh, okay. It was worth a try. I thought I'd just wind you up a bit okay no i'm fine apart from being ill as a dog yes oh, see i went to mexico last week and drank the water so i'm not entirely healthy but there you are the less details about that the better joe i, <laughs> I saw you though promoting your... actually i know i have to i have to challenge that because the water was worse in in austin we had a, we had a orders in austin not to drink the water because really? there'd been all kinds of problems there mexico was apparently fine so it was kind of bizarre it was all back to front Well, it it was was fine until I drank some, of course, but that's not the story.
2: I feel terrible for you. I saw you on Sky TV, Joe, promoting your book, uh, Fascinating F1 Facts. But once again, they cut out the bit where you promoted Miss Apex Podcast. Those gits.
3: What can I say? I mean, you know, clearly there's a conspiracy against you. (laughs) They're they're scared of us. They see us coming. You know what? um, uh, Somebody, I I can't remember who it was now. I think it was probably... um, Oscar Wilde said when someone complained about a conspiracy of silence against him. <laughs> you know what he said? Go on. Join it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, Joe. you got,
2: you got to spread the fame of Miss Apex. We, oh, surely... I said fame.
3: fame. The price of, what is fame nowadays? What is celebrity? You just have to have a YouTube. I need to play a game and film myself doing it, and then I'll become a YouTube legend. But uh, the only thing is they don't play computer games. Are you feeling in any way angry about Formula E's new YouTube policy then, Joe? No, not at all. It's, it's the fastest way I know to buy people to watch your telly show. You just rent somebody who's got 19 million followers and hope that half of them will go and watch your racing. So um, even if the bloke knows absolutely nothing about motor racing... Perfectly reasonable to have your lead commentator as a complete. Actually, let's, let's not go down there because I might say something stupid. Well, well, I tell you what, having
2: daytime Joe makes a big difference because I don't think evening Joe would have censored himself there. In France, though, isn't it legal after 1pm? You, you have to have a drink.
3: What? I thought I in thought France I, you have I to I drink one. I broke on the law quickly and was going to get one. Um, no, I don't think it's entirely legal. Um, illegal, whatever. No, I haven't had a drink yet. Um, and probably it will be um, a while before I do. But there you are. So let's explain to people what is going
2: on with the Formula E broadcasting that's clearly triggered you. They are going exclusive on YouTube and they're using, are they using YouTube personalities? They're not doing the commentary, are they? They're just doing like the pre-show and the post-show.
3: Well, I think they are. I don't know. I mean, I read commentary, so, um, there are two of them. One of them apparently does it quite often, but the, the other one is just sort of some, some bloke, um, who is famous for filming himself playing FIFA, some game or other by Sony, and then talking about it and then doing little tricks with it and then uh, having an, a, a boxing match. Oh, and he's got, he's got 19, well white collar boxing apparently, which I don't know what that means, but it's something to do with people who've never boxed before hitting each other. And he, nineteen million people followed him. Now I can't work out why nineteen people, nineteen million, let alone nineteen, nineteen million people would want to watch an incompetent amateur boxer hitting somebody who's an incompetent am- amateur boxer. But there you go. Maybe we should have a punch up. You know, maybe we should, or we also have to be a DJ, do a bit of rap um um eat sandwiches on telly who knows what you have to do but i just i find the whole thing completely crazy i don't understand modern celebrity at all i think we're celebs you know but i just need loads of money you know well joe we've just had a twitter come in from a
2: uh at spanners ready who says if you could have a white collar boxing match against any
3: other f1 media personality who would it be i'm not a very violent type um (laughs) Despite my reactionary uh, reputation, you know, I'm not. I'm not really a violent type. I don't, you know, I don't really want to punch people. I did once punch a marshal somewhere in France. Or is it uh, yes, he was a marshal. Yes, and I punched somebody once when I was very young when somebody stabbed me. It's perfectly reasonable to punch them. Um, but generally speaking, I don't. Um, I don't really punch people. I just sort of look at them and then destroy them with words. You know, later on. So Ted. No, 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 no. <laughs> Ted, Ted's like me. He's a very gentle soul. You know. I bet he is. I bet he is. Why don't we talk some F one?
2: I thought we were. Isn't Teddy in there? When has he left? Well, that was my, my weird segue. There's a lot of people who have left and a lot of people okay. who haven't left because that's fake news. Uh, but let's, let's start off by talking about a rich energy because they were seen. Well, they, they've arrived. Well, apparently. Yeah. They were mm. seen walking around with Claire Williams. So everyone was, the story was it would be Williams, but I mean, who are rich energy to start with? This is, is this like another monster energy
3: drink? But I never see rich energy anywhere. Except in this context. But well, you see Monster Energy, don't you, in the shops? And you see Red Bull in the shops, and you see a number of others. Well, the answer is I've yet to find anybody who's seen Rich Energy in the shops. Um, and, you know, who knows? But their accounts, which you can see if you look at Company's House, are not awfully impressive. Um, and yet they've been wandering around sort of trying to buy Formula One teams, as in uh, in the summer. Uh, Force India, the judge in that particular. Um, uh, in, the quest, in, the, in the case of the administration, said no, your, your bid makes no sense at all. I'm not doing it. Right, and yet they turned up. So they must have some money. If, if Williams have let them through the door, they must have had some vague hint of money. I, I'm not sure it helps to be, you know, to have your front man looking like Zizi Top, who doesn't really fit into the world of Formula One. But that's his per- own personal choice, you know, and if he wants to be, um. I think he should bring a guitar along. To be quite honest, and mm-hmm. then people would mistake him for ZZ Top and ask for autographs, probably. But what's um, his name, Joe? Story, William Story, with an E in the middle, as opposed to a Story. So it can't be accused of being fake news. It's a, it's a um, it's a number of landings, I suppose. Whatever. He uh, he was wandering around with Claire on the grid in Austin, and the following week. He had four days later, actually, he'd signed a deal with Haas. I think it's fairly simple Um, to explain it. Haas offered him considerably more space for the same amount of money or half the money or whatever it was. Anyway, there's obviously some reason that Rich Energy went, oh, we like that. We'll have that. Wow, that is um, some
2: beard he's got. I've just Googled it. And on the Google image search, he is pictured with just about everyone in F1. He's there next to Nico Rosberg, Claire Williams, Robert Kubica, uh, Bob Fernley. Just wow. Like he is. That's fully... three people
3: who aren't in F1 anymore. Oh, right. <coughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Claire Williams is still there. But otherwise, no, everyone else is gone. Nico Rosberg is desperately clinging on trying to become a YouTube celebrity or something, but he's not in F1 anymore. No. Well, he is occasionally turning up doing TV commentary in 37 different languages, you know. So what will this mean for Haas F1? Does it mean
2: they will turn up in black and gold next year? Will it mean they've got more development, less freedom?
3: How does it affect their Ferrari relationship? I don't think it affects anything, really. It's just a pile of money. As to how big the pile is, is another question. I think the answer as to how big the pile is is to what colour the car will be. And, you know, I would see it's logical to have it black and gold. There's no reason to have Haas in Haas colours anymore. He's he's done his three years of promoting Haas um, machinery. So I suppose you can afford to sell the car cheap. Um, as to what it's all about, I really don't know. Um, I know that behind it all, uh, Mr. Storey keeps talking about billionaires who are supporting him. Um, and I think we've identified a number of those, one of whom may be Bernie Eccleston, but let's not go there now. There's a man called Mr. David Sullivan. and There's someone called David Gold, and David Sullivan and David Gold go back a long way to the days of Ann Summers sex shops and and grubby photographs and wow. things like that. They then uh, they then bought um, uh, the Sunday Sport or the Daily Sport and made a load of money. Uh, actually, it was fake news. They sort of in, well they didn't invent fake news. It was copied from the Americans inevitably. Um, there was a there was a newspaper in in Florida called Weekly World News, which had wonderful headlines like cannibal tribe doomed after eating aids victim and stories like that oh how did um, that ha, how, what happened are they okay well, i don't know but um that was a very long time ago um uh, <laughs> i think the, the sport the daily sport um, became most famous for world war Two bomber found in space i think was their major headline anyway they they had a picture of a b20 something or other 25 maybe flying around in space which was you know it was it was obviously a bit daft but anyway that made them a fortune it's one of these ridiculous things where people make fortunes by doing daft things but there you are and uh they then bought football teams and they were i think it was birmingham city or manchester i can't remember it wasn't manchester united i know that but they owned a football team i think it was birmingham now they own west ham united so i think they're behind yeah they're, they're the money behind it but if the, if there's a drink behind the money it would be interesting to find out. I'm sure there's a plan to have a drink at some point. But, you know, normally when you start making a uh, product, you need a distribution network before you tell the world it's all there. Because otherwise, when you told everybody, here's our product, and then you can't get it. So logically, you should have the distribution network and the product first. Um, but there you are. Good for them. Then maybe, you know, maybe if you grow a long beard, you can have stranger business views, which are more successful than mine. Fair enough. I can't grow a beard. That makes me sad. Well, nor can I much, but there you go, scrabbly old thing here. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, Joe, you were talking about fake news, and that leads us fantastically into Ferrari in general. But more specifically, Arriba Vene said that it is fake news now. And, and fake news puts you in a particular bracket, but we won't go into that. Fake news that Benotto is to leave Ferrari. He says his enemies are destabilizing Ferrari. What's going on?
3: whose enemies
2: uh, uh, ferrari's, ferrari's oh, enemies i assume
3: oh, let's put it there are two things here let's separate the two fake news um is is a is a trumpian thing and fake news is designed deliberately to undermine the media um and sadly a lot of people are believing it, it i mean it obviously hasn't helped some of the behavior of some of the media but it's not anything like as bad and you know trump is uh, a very dangerous man and we need to make sure that People understand that, and we have to tell the truth about him as much as possible. And uh, there we are. So fake news is one thing. As to about rumours of Ferrari, well, Ferrari have always surrounded by rumours because there's an Italian press corps that have got to write things every day about the same team. And if you've ever tried to write something the same every day about the <laughs> same team, it gets pretty hard to do. Like you know, nobody really gives a. T- if the third aerodynamicist on the left bought a Mars bar on Tuesday. You know, that's not news, is it? But they uh, have well, to do... if it's a Freddo bar, it's news, isn't it? <laughs> well, apparently so, yes. Um, they have to, um, you know, they have to find things to write about. So I've certainly heard a couple of whispers, but, you know, they may come from... Ultimately, you've got to trace all these things back to the source of the whispers. So, you know, if a, if a rival team principal says that... Um, uh, you know there's some rumors going around about Benotto. is that because somebody has rung him up and said do you want to hire Bonotto? or is it because Bonotto's rung up and said I want to hire you know do you want to hire me or is it because he's read it in the Italian newspapers we don't know. So more comments
2: from Ariba Vene, though did hint about reinforcements now there's a common sort of corporate tactic when somebody's not doing well or you want to kind of replace them without sacking them you bring someone in over the top of them and you go no no you're not being demoted we've just identified a new position and then someone does some of your job and you report to them now could it be a case of that where they're just they're bringing in people like an umbrella no, manager I don't, I don't
3: think so i think i mean if you if you analyze first of all let's analyze why it went wrong this year for ferrari and that's really very simple oh good and it's 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 one word really it's sebastian is the word um and whether his fans out there like it or not he made so many mistakes now was the car always as good as the mercedes actually from about sort of in spa everyone thought oh no ferrari is going to walk the championship and then next week suddenly even though the ferrari looked quicker around monza lewis managed to win so and sebastian threw it away so you know you've got to you've got to um it was a very, very close championship between two very good cars, okay? So you got you, you can't really knock Ferrari of having produced a good car. They've done a remarkable job to close the gap to Mercedes. Now, there were lots of rumors along the way, as there always are, about everything. But, you know, the fact of the matter is that they had their car checked over, they did everything they needed to do, and they were, they were competitive, and the FIA said, nothing wrong with this. Of course, you then go into the conspiracy theorists who reckon that the FIA is in Ferrari's pocket and blah 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 but... No, the fact of the matter is that they're probably not because it's quite hard to do that these days. And, and so then you look at it and say, well, where did it go wrong and you have to you have to you have to put the blame pretty fairly squarely rather in 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 the in the front garden of Mr S Vettel. Kevin in the, the chat room Switzerland says Switzerland Limited. Sorry.
2: Kevin in the chat room says oh no Joe throws Seb under the bus. Um I have interestingly no strong opinion one way or the other about Sebastian Vettel's performance. Uh, I
3: didn't say I had a strong opinion. I'm just telling you what I think happened. You know, the fact is whether i have a strong opinion about it or not the, the fact is that sebastian vettel makes mistakes under pressure and this year he made a lot and he knows it you, you could hear him after mexico he admitted that he he'd had a lot to do with them not being very successful but you know everybody as lewis said everybody at this level makes mistakes and we've seen a few mistakes from mercedes as well it's just yeah. that in the at the end of the day ferrari made more mistakes than mercedes did and also let us not let's not forget that that Lewis Hamilton is driving on another plane, yeah. another planet, if, to everybody else.
2: If you do um, bow shooting competitions, you know, bow and arrowing, don't know what that's called, um, the aim of the game Ar- is... Archery, I Is believe. it? All right, there you go. I've uh, I've got some good archery stories. Um, the aim is to put it into the red bit in the middle, right? And everything that isn't in the red bit is a mistake. So, you know, making mistakes is an inherent part of the sport. So it is about making less mistakes and performing as well as possible. So, yeah, I think Sebastian Vettel's kind of... He's been too criticised to say, oh, he's just thrown it away. He just he just hasn't done as well as the people who've won
3: this year. No, he has made too many mistakes. And if you're paid the amount of money that he's paid, you're not expected to make mistakes. You're expected to be perfect. And that is the truth of it. So, you know, how does that equate in the long term? If he has a season like he had this year, next year, it could be quite interesting, couldn't it? Because I think Mr Leclerc... It's interesting that, yeah. When he arrives, he's going to be he's not going to hang around and sort of sit around and be Mr. Nice Guy. He's just going to go after him because that's what you do as a young
2: driver. I heard Sebastian Vettel somewhere, or I read somewhere, that he said that he expected Leclerc to stick to the rules. He said, me and Leclerc will need to work together. The rules are clear. And it was the same with Kimi. What does he mean? Does he mean he's expecting, or is he making a play, to have Leclerc as his number two driver?
3: that's basically he's sort of saying that the rules are as far as i can understand it at the moment at ferrari i don't think there's anything contractual and there has been in the past where there have been contractual clauses where the drivers have been sufficiently insecure to need to be uh, seen as the number one i think at ferrari the guy who emerges as the number one is the number one it's as simple as that and if there is a point at which you have to make a decision based on the tactics. Uh, that are required to win championships. You get situations like we had in, in Russia where nobody nobody at Mercedes wanted Lewis to pass Valtteri and Valtteri certainly didn't want it and Lewis didn't want it. And it happened because it had to happen because, you know, it's easy to be, I think I think it was Toto said, you know, I'll be the villain today and rather being the idiot. Yes. In a few weeks' time, you've got to do stuff like that occasionally, not all the time. Jean-Todd always used to do it far too much. Um, He used to control things far too much. And that's why he ran into a lot of opposition and and, um, people who didn't like the way he did things. Because as far as he was concerned, it was just all about Michael and anyone else in the second car can just sort of get lost, really.
2: Now, what would happen next season if Ferrari turn up in... The slightly better car and they're getting the results and polls and things but come Barcelona Leclerc is settled in and pulls a little championship lead can we envisage a situation where Ferrari would ask Vettel to support Leclerc's title uh, thing or, or does Vettel
3: have a, an they might like ask him to support Leclerc I'm not sure what? about this Leclerc bloke whoever he is he's called Leclerc
2: I'm sure he I'm said sorry Le-
3: I'm sorry that if in English it doesn't work out like that, but if, if we start doing things like that, we'll end up with some amyldons and all kinds of funny things, you know. So let's just call him by his name. His I'm, name is Leclerc. I'm sure he had a video saying that it was Leclerc. If I can the find C, it, will you the, give the me... The C is silent, as in something I can't think of, but I'm sure there's something with a silent C in it. So there you are. <laughs> the answer to your question is, I think if Leclerc is leading the championship by halfway perhaps, not Barcelona, it's a little early in the day, because you can have good luck, bad luck, but if he looks like he's the number one, he will become the number one, and Arriva Bene and co. would be absolute morons if they didn't do that, you know, it's just, you know, and I don't think they are morons, you know, I think they come across badly because, you know, Arriva Bene's English is not very good, but, you know, not everybody in the world speaks English, so, um, you know, I think I think that Areva Benny is much maligned, and um, I, I think he's actually a much he – doesn't, he, he doesn't come across on TV, he doesn't look like a, like a, a, a sort of nice bloke. He looks like someone who'd murder your kittens, doesn't he? But, you know, the fact is I don't think he's like that at all. <laughs> oh, God. He's, actually quite, he's quite a nice man, and he's quite cultured, you know. So. Wow, right. But he does, look, he does look a bit sort of, you know, sinister. He looks Heathcliff, doesn't he? Heathcliff. Yeah, I'm not going to answer my emails for a while. Okay that's fine. Can I talk Whatever.
2: about a uh, Binotto though because some people might not be familiar. He's kind of been credited with turning the team around after 2016. So he's been in charge of like the technical aspect of the car since 2016, been given a lot of freedom to do some blue sky thinking.
3: Clearly he's he's had a good effect because they've been much yeah, more. He seems, he seems to be a very good engineering manager which is what you need nowadays you need to have engineering managers as opposed to you know it, it's a bit like describing uh, Ross braun as being this this bloke who, who was in the wind tunnel and found these these extra bits it, that's not what he did he found people who found extra bits you know um that's how you do it. Except in the case of Adrian New, who, who still comes in, gets his drawing board out, and quite literally gets his drawing board out and draws something and everybody makes it and blimey, it goes faster. You know, he is really the exception to the rule. But everyone else are really engineering managers these days. And, and you, you have to have somebody who understands. And this is the key, I think, to success in Formula One. Your technical director has to understand aerodynamics, because otherwise the aerodynamicist will pull the wool over his eyes. um and because aerodynamicists always have great stories about what's going on but the reality is that sometimes it's just a load of old waffle and this is where if you understand the waffling um and and you understand what they're doing wrong then you can say to them no this is not correct but otherwise it's this mysterious black art a bit like tires to be honest you know um you know, very few people really understand what tires, what's going on with tyres. I haven't a clue what's going on with tyres. I should add, you know, background rubber things that
2: grip the road or not. Are you saying you don't listen to Missed Apex F1 Tech Time with
3: Matthew Summerfield? Uh, Matthew oh. Summerfield is a is a tyre technician these days, is he? Well, I don't know. he plays one on the internet. <laughs> okay, very good. I, I don't know.
2: He says he understands um, what's going on with the tyres. Right, Summers, you're lying to me. I didn't say that.
3: Joe Just say Sayward that. I, calls I out Summers. I don't understand – I understand they grip the road or not, but as to why they grip the road and the temperatures, all the rest, it's just, you know – and if you talk to tyre people, they're quite funny because they'll put all kinds of things in tyres thinking they'll make a difference, you know, all the mixtures they have and all this sort of stuff. Um, But nowadays it's a little bit different because they're trying to make tyres that that don't work, um, which is kind of bizarre and back to front. In the old days, when you have a tyre war, you're usually trying to make the best possible tyre. These days they're trying to make the tyres – that will go off at different times. But basically, they're designing for failure, which is an interesting idea. Uh, Just uh, say hello to
2: the chat room, the people who joined us for this lunchtime episode. Somebody says, I'm not using my mug. That's uh, socialist. That's because not enough people went to MissedApexPodcast.com and and bought mugs. So now I can't afford to use that mug anymore. That doesn't make any sense, but go check out our mugs. John Palmer, Sebastian Vettel will leave and sulk if he doesn't beat Leclerc. Uh, And considering the bad place Vettel is in, I have no doubt the team will favour Leclerc if he gets the upper hand. It's certainly going to be very, very interesting at Ferrari next season. I found it very interesting what you were saying there about the difference between the kind of Steve Jobs type figure with this vision, such as Adrian Newey doing his engineering and then people going and manufacturing that, that is quite a, what do you call it, like a a very top-down approach. I would imagine that firms such as mercedes and i say firm because they operate more like an engineering company it seems from the outside will have a bunch of people who will identify areas of weakness and then they will just task a team of engineers find me performance in this section here find me performance here without interfering with that Mm. and then you'll get a bunch of people who only see the very narrow part of the car they're working on
3: well one of the things that was really interesting in recent weeks since we had the last podcast was in austin there was a um I don't know how to describe it. It was a business conference, really, with MIT and Formula One getting together and discussing how to improve your business. In the course of this, um, there was a question about innovation. And the MIT professors were, were absolutely brilliant on the subject of innovation, how it happens, what stops it. And one of the things you have to do to innovate is to have everyone talking to one another uh, and, and not what they call the bunker mentality. Now, getting everyone together inevitably results in conflict because they all think, you know, the the mechanical designers think the aerodynamicists are a, a beep, um, <laughs> you know, and uh, it, it's a bit like the Royal Air Force with bomber command, fighter command, and coastal command. You know, everyone knows who the flyboy heroes are, but the other blokes do an important job as well. You see, so um, they all they all have a fight if they get together. And what you have to do is you have to have conflict. What are you doing? Practicing to me on YouTube, I guess. No one can um, <laughs> see that, Joe.
2: You're, you're letting them behind the curtain. Yes, I was demonstrating my fighty pose.
3: Right, very good. Well, just declare war on somebody and you'll get 19 million followers straight away. Anyway, um, moving swiftly on from that, uh, basically, if you, if you get positive conflict, in other words, they start listening to each other, and produce a better result, then you have innovation that's possible because you're opening the minds of the different bunkers to mix with one another. And that was really interesting stuff. Anyway, there you are. That was all part of Formula One too.
2: Good. Let's all go to Twitter where we ask people to ask you things. So they got in touch with us at Missed Apex F1, and Joe is at Joe Sayward, and I'm at Spanners Ready, if anybody were to care. Rosie says, what is more important to win for an F1 team, the Drivers' Championship or the Constructors' Championship? But my my little tilt on that would be, I think it's the, the Drivers' Championship, but given that that is settled now, how much will Ferrari take comfort if they do manage to win the constructors championship it's got nothing to do
3: with comfort it's to do with money cash okay the driver's championship is the fighter command they're the guys the fly boys you know the the fly halves in rugby the pretty boys who win the races and all the rest of the shoot down the 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 bad guys etc so they're the heroes and they get all the glory and that's what the that's what the uh tv follows now, in terms of the, the, uh, the team, the constructors championship is way more important because they get paid as to the position they finish in the championship. And one position change can be worth a great deal of money. So like 10 million, for example. So, you know, you can have a point at the end of the season. If somebody scores a point, you'll, you'll see t- teams going absolutely berserk sometimes. And you think, what on earth's all that about over one point? But the fact is that that one point might be worth 10 million. So. And $10 is quite a lot of money. It's loads. Particularly in the days when there are no sponsors left, apart from people with beards, of course. Joe, can I ask you things
2: of a personal nature? You can try. I will then. I might be, I might be grumpy in reactionary, you know. You've talked over my bumper, Joe. Well,
3: I didn't know it was coming, did I? Right, well, I the video
2: people will see that absolute car crash, but the audio people will hear a nice <laughs> slick bumper now. Joe, we've had Darren Johnson at Daz the Gardener on Twitter ask, does Joe expect to do a live event in the UK at the end of the season this year? Of course, he's talking about your audiences with Joe Sayward, where we all gather in a room and they install a tree and we all gather around that tree, sipping lemonade, listening to stories from Uncle Joe.
3: Something like that, yes. Uh, yeah, I am hoping to, but um, I'm having some trouble actually communicating with the, the venue at the moment. So hopefully it will be sorted out shortly, maybe this afternoon if I'm uh, able to. Um, I do intend to do one. I hope to do one on the Friday, the first Friday of uh, December. That's the that's the plan. Whether it can happen, I don't know. It really is dependent on venue. So London. in principle, in principle, yes. In reality, we'll see. So London, though, if it happens? London, yes. London. All right, cool. Cool. Can I come? No.
2: You'll get me in. Mate's race, oh, come I'll, on. I'll
3: charge you, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you can come along, I suppose. <laughs> Bring your microphone with you, you know. <laughs> let's uh, let's do
2: that. Joe, you were plugging on Sky, of course, this book here on the video, which is fascinating F1 facts. It's not just one, though, is it? It's, it's two. It's, yeah. it's two. The, the other one's just got a two on it. That's the only difference. There you go, volume two. Uh, what's all that about, then? This is bathroom reading, isn't it? When you want to read something over two Bathroom minutes. reading. I well, are you, think so.
3: Some kind of Midwest... Mid Atlantic, no, it's a loo reading. What's it's it wrong with you? Porcelain man? in porcelain palace entertainment. That's no, what that it is. No, it's a, it's a coffee <laughs> table book. It's a book you delve into for for five minutes at a go, and you go, "Wow, that's amazing!" Uh, you know, and there's stories that there are hundreds of stories of wild and ridiculous things that have happened in the history of Grand Prix racing and Formula One, and they're all in a book. So. um And the the glorious thing is that there'll be another Fascinating Facts volume coming this winter because there's tons and tons of fascinating facts that haven't been revealed yet. And um, I'm looking forward to doing it. That's fascinating. Thank you very much. Follow Joe
2: basically by searching Joe Sayward F1 and you will find all his stuff. In telling Joe to shush
3: for that bumper, I ended up hitting my own mic. Right. This is a disaster. This is what, what happens. You, what, what's a, I thought a bumper was a thing on the front of a car that you ran into other people with. We could so call it, a bumper is now music, is it? I'm not it, cool enough to know these things. We could call it a sting, couldn't we? It's all, it's all very radio, Joe.
2: Do, do try to keep up. Is that sick? Is that sick or what? That was yeah. about ten years ago. Yeah, that was ten years oh, ago. Okay,
3: well, I'm sorry, but you're the YouTube hero. he was talking about sick the other day, and I thought, oh, poor fellow. <laughs> apparently, it, meant it was really good. So there you are. So, oh dear, we are sounding very old on Twitter. No, I'm not. I'm I'm not in reactionary at all. I'm all for it.
2: I said you sound old. Well, oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah, great. yeah, it was that. So you just you misinterpreted the insult. It was a different insult. That's all. Should we talk? Oh, okay. Should we address more questions from Twitter? Because Ferris at FDO Alonso, asks that Lawrence Stroll seems to be more involved in the team meetings. Is he more interested in the business side than the success of his son? And Christopher Fonseca asks, why on earth haven't Force India announced Stroll yet?
3: As a, I would say they haven't announced Stroll yet as a courtesy to Ocon. That would be, in fact, that's the answer. I I asked Mr. Stroll exactly that question. Ah. That's the answer he gave me. So, as to whether he's interested, he's obviously interested in his son, and he's obviously interested in as a business enterprise. Which is more important to him? I can't answer that one. That's something that only Lawrence Stroll can answer. Um, And I have a vague suspicion if you asked him the question, uh, he probably would find a way of dodging it. So, um, because it's a really hard question to ask, because if you answer it either which way, you're going to get criticized, aren't you? So, this is one of the things about, When people overanalyze and what happens a lot nowadays in the Formula One media is that you see it on the sort of Wednesday after a Grand Prix, all the all the people who haven't got a clue what they're writing about uh, are going over all the transcripts, endlessly looking for things to misconstrue and change and twist around to get a new story. Um, So I basically just don't even bother to read the uh, the uh, Internet news on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, because all it is is rehashes what's happened at the weekend because nobody's got anything new because the people who are writing about it weren't there and don't know what they're talking about. Anyway, moving swiftly on from that I'm sure I've upset loads of people, but good I was wondering whether daytime
2: Joe would be any less angry or controversial than nighttime Joe
3: I'm Ques- not angry Question I'm, just, answered. It, I'm merely I have opinions and I'm allowed to verse them apparently because it's a podcasty thing okay well email anyway I want I want nineteen million followers, so you know what do I have to do punching yeah,
2: let's do. <laughs> Right, well, there we go. We found our celebrity match. But can... my arm hurts.
3: I've got a note from the doctor. You know, this kind of thing. Oh, let's let's fake a good uh, a good
2: Twitter feud. I need. And I tried to get a Twitter feud going with Jack Nichols, but he's too nice. That's the need yeah, to pick up someone Yeah,
3: yeah, true, true. Well, there's, I mean, there's there's a, there's a ready feud out there. There's one journalist I know, Well, not journalist. There's one bloke out there who writes about <laughs> Formula One uh, who readily have a fight any day of the week. You just have to mention the word or something and you know that's it oh did i say something wrong sorry, yeah, sorry. Mark, mark mark the time yeah i will um, beep yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, that's
2: okay i don't think you need to name names because I, I think i think we've all we've all seen i think recently so that's there a,
3: was a very interesting there was a very interesting uh, survey i saw somebody tweeted twitter took thinking me bobbed the other day about who's the best journalist in formula one which of course is is going to get the answer you wanted to have. Yes. And I noticed that said person got 0%, which was in the, just a tad on the amusing side, but far far bit for me to say that out loud. But I was, you know, I wasn't high enough up the list for my taste but yeah, it's only because, you know, if you're obviously people will vote for people they've heard of. And if you only watch television or something, you're you're bound to sort of, you know, vote for the ones you've who have the biggest sight. So it's a sort of self-defeating um prophecy if you like it's any kind of any all these surveys are daft aren't they it's it's like let's ask formula one how we should change well the answer is not to ask the fans they they're not the ones if you want it to change you have to go and ask the people in the supermarkets who don't watch it and say why don't you watch it
2: joe are you saying there's a problem with just leaving important decisions down
3: to just a mass poll of the general population no, not the general population, but that's not if, – if you do a, a, a survey on a motorsport website saying, how can we improve Formula One and get more people in, you're going to get the answer from the people you've already got, not from the people who aren't doing it. So you have to ask, and that's what Formula One group is doing at the moment. They're going out and asking people who don't watch it why you don't watch it, which is the right way to do it. And that's why I think you know we're seeing the results of that research they're getting back in, and they have identified a hardcore of fans who are the people who usually do the surveys. And they've identified people who are, have a strong interest but not really a hardcore fans. And they're just, basically just trying to push these groups closer to the middle, if you like, and make them a little bit more fanish as they go. And if you can move 5 million people and 5 million people put their hand in their pocket for 200 bucks a year, the numbers go up, don't they? I think I knew a girl from Fanish once. Uh, very nice place <laughs> this time of year. Is uh, the, the... that near the village of Wedlock? <laughs> Did you live outside of Wedlock? Anyway, moving swiftly on. Oh, sorry, that's a regional accent. Not allowed to do them. I remember now. Yes,
2: Joe Saywood at gmail dot com for all your complaints. <laughs> actually, we say that all the time. That's not actually an email address. So uh,
3: no, I do don't wonder if people there,
2: have been just going to junk rubbish. You are. And don't give out, don't give out my real one because I can't be bothered with it. All yes. You are welcome to email me spannersready at gmail dot com. However, and we do read the youtube comments sometimes i give myself a day to rest and relax before tackling them uh, but we always read the comments on the website as well mistapexpodcast.com thank you so much for your interactions the second part of that question though was what will or should Ocon do in 2019 we're assuming he's not going to be in f1 he's not going to have an f1 drive what should he do with his time who is assuming i am. I'm,
3: assu- I'm assuming that he will be in f1 get out of it come on then
2: tell what tell me this well
3: he's is- going to be driving the williams if they can make it work it's as simple as that i mean you, you would not leave a man of his talent sitting around playing tiddlywinks for a whole year it's ridiculous so you know and even on even on simulators it's not a good place to be so mercedes are pushing very hard to get him in at williams williams obviously want to have a decent driver they've got george russell to have the two of them together would be terrific. They'd have a you know they'd have a driving lineup that would motivate the workforce, which incidentally is a key part of being in Formula One, having a motivated workforce. If you have two pair drivers, your workforce is not so motivated. So they need to find the money to put Ocon in. There is a gap on the money depending on who you talk to. You can read all kinds of daft numbers on the internet, but I would say that the, the gap is probably about ten million, really? which is a lot. Dollars, dollars. Um maybe less but they need to find that much money to put ocon in the car and if not they'll choose somebody else and it won't be as good
2: knowing a little about engineering costs as i do i'm wondering if they didn't spend 10 million just with all the messing around with their wheel hubs surely 10 million to mercedes is it the principle of that value i mean they could go and search down the sofa cushions for 10 million if they really wanted ocon in
3: no i think they've already spent quite a lot you know so um they they toto said to me not long ago he said yeah we we do actually have budgets we're supposed to stick to and let's face it uh toto is a is a shareholder in the team so it's in his interest to make sure that the budgets actually uh match up um so he doesn't have to pay out all his own money so you know there is a there is a a limit to how much they will pay now you can there there's also lots of complications. You can't just, for example, go to go to a Mercedes supplier and say, hey, give us some money, because that's against the law in some countries nowadays. You know, it's, it's it's amazing how complicated these laws are today in terms of persuading your suppliers to do things that's deemed to be corrupt in some places. So, you know, one has to be very careful about how you do it. But, you know, I think they'll probably find the money from somewhere. Nigel Spears in our
2: live chat room says, Ocon will end up at Williams. The team is playing hardball, which is fair enough. I'm going to look in Joe's eyes now because I think you were being coy. What have you heard, Joe? or oh, you're on that camera. Joe, what have you heard? Come on. What is your percentage for. What have I heard? Yeah. I, I th- I've heard I exactly you know what I've
3: told you, which no, is that they are lies. They're trying to find the money and finding the money it's not easy particularly if you're last in the world championship so basically they're relying on people coming along because it's ocon um or because there's some connection that makes sense you know a lot of a lot of the sponsorship nowadays is not about um eyeballs because you know they just don't pay off like they used to it's about b2b there's all kinds of stuff i mean the coca-cola deal with with mclaren for example now i don't know the actual details of it it might be a massive deal just a little bit on the car it might be that uh every hilton hotel in the world has agreed to put coca-cola into the fridge i would have thought they were there already you know but um there may be deals like that you know there was a, there was a deal a few years ago where lg who was a sponsor of mclaren um had had uh was going to put tvs into into all the hilton hotels in the world you know that's a massive deal and if a sponsorship comes off the back of a b2b thing like that that can be very helpful um and you know that's the kind of thing that people are looking at nowadays so you get the sponsors so that the sponsors work together and make money as when the formula one is basically the icing on the cake
0: millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom
2: That's good. Well, sometimes, Joe... I was going to say
3: you're speechless for look, a minute,
2: Sometimes yeah. you... I think you finish the sentence and then I start talking and then you start talking and then everybody yells at me for cutting off the eminent and uh, talismanic what? Joe Saywood, you see.
3: So Talos was Manic. I, was super I, I prefer the sure. second bit. Talis. I'm not so sure, but Manic, maybe. Anyway, <laughs> oh, yes, it. another question. Is there another question? Yeah, of course there is. It's limitless. You're a very
2: popular boy, Joe. That's why we have you on here. Can you imagine <laughs> being a podcast and dropping Joe Sayward from your, from your episode list? What idiots. Uh, <laughs> oh, 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 that's a terrible thing to say. I thought I'd just uh, join in. Here we go. Sandra on Twitter, at Sandra24Jan. Says, what next for Smedley? If F1, where or Formula E? Rob Smedley, I've just heard that over message today, actually. He's leaving Williams. Well, if you'd read my newsletter, you
3: would read it two weeks ago. I
2: can't afford
3: that, Joe.
2: That's the big (laughs) shock. I mean,
3: I've had that one. That was in uh, the Austin edition. So that's one, two, three, three uh, weeks ago. I actually wrote that story. Yeah, Smedley's decided he wants to stop. traveling he's been traveling for 17 years or something i kind of get it um have a bit of time doing his own thing uh, i'm sure he's made plenty of money over the years and then i think he'll decide afterwards what he wants to do you know but there are there are things that some people in formula one never think about like real life um and uh, some people like rob i think have a have a view that real life is quite important so um i kind of agree with it but i'm sort of uh, uh, a an addict I can't be, I can't be <laughs> weaned off it. You know, I have to have my injection every week of Formula One.
2: Is your wife just mean? Because my wife is mean, I would stay on the road as well. So
3: no, no, my wife's very lovely. <laughs> I'm sure, so, she is. I'm sure, she and she and she, she likes to see me come home occasionally. But um, you know, it's uh, you know, it's 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 um. It's very nice I know a lot of people who were in
2: uh, married couples in the forces, for example, and when the husband or wife actually did spend a lot of time at home after retiring, suddenly they were just like you're you're in the way, this is
3: my house yeah or really did I marry this person I understand <laughs> that yeah yeah it's a, it, it is it is a common um, thing, but you know I think that uh, if you spend put it this way being being um, being married. Uh, in, and being involved in Formula One, you're sort of away half the time. So you're only sort of married for half the time. So, you know, the seven year itch comes after 14 years, apparently, you know, so I don't know, we'll have to see won't we but um, that's just, uh, it, it's an occupational necessity to do what we do now. I don't know where the limit is. I think I think there's a lot of people sort of saying we're pretty near the limit. And there is a sort of um, a swirl of people saying less is more, perhaps we should go back to fewer races and, and make more money off the fewer races. But it's quite hard to do that as well. So yeah, I don't know if 23, 24 races is really very sensible. At a time when uh, attention spans are getting smaller um, and races are getting shorter, it's really interesting with with e-racing i noticed the other day wait a now minute what, what do you mean by e-racing E-c-ele- i mean e-racing not that electric rubbish i'm talking about e-racing virtual which racing. is a vir- virtual racing which is called e-sports i'm right told. um and i became an expert in this recently by deciding i better go and find out what this is all about all these virtual chaps doing their thing uh and i sort of looked into it and it's really it is quite interesting um and motor racing is particularly interesting um, because they, it is the only sport in which the players in the real world and the virtual world do exactly the same thing. Think about that for a minute. Football, you play it with your hands on an eSport game, don't you? Right. You don't, you don't kick balls around. Um, all the other games, I don't know what they all are. I mean, there are loads of them that all seem to involve machine gunning one another a lot. Yeah. Um, those sort of games. Um but you're you're actually the only one where you're doing exactly the same thing is Formula One. You're sitting in a in a chair and you're driving around. Now the difference is, of course, you're not crashing into things, but um, and you're not going awfully fast. But there is nonetheless, you know, it's got the same motor skills, it's got the same hand to eye coordination. It's quite interesting. Wait a minute, are you softening, Joe? Are you softening on esports? No, I'm just I'm I'm more educated than I was on <laughs> esports because I looked into it and I thought because I thought one day perhaps. You know all the all the all the grumpy old men of motor racing. Um, perhaps it's a time to go and have a look and see what this is all about. So I went to have a look and see, and I thought, okay, now I get it. Um, and I see what's going on. I don't necessarily think I'm going to go and watch it. This guy Brendan Lee, who seems to win everything um must be very good yeah he must have very very good motor skills hand-to-eye coordination and and you can see that mercedes had a good effect on him because he actually looks sort of young and thrusting now as opposed to a doughboy which is how he looked at the end of last year um uh, have i upset anybody well what the hell but that's the truth of it you know he's been through physical training mental training he's done setup courses he's done all kinds of stuff um and he's clearly almost unbeatable now and it is interesting that the same team is winning all the races um and the, the same people are, are finishing runner-up. I mean, they're not in reality, because but but you know the same the same patterns are emerging. So the two Red Bull teams, who obviously uh, take it quite seriously, have been the ones finishing second and third. With the Force India occasionally in there, but none of the others have even you know, seen anywhere near the the podium, if you like, or the virtual podium. Now the the thing I have a a problem with, and, and and this is a lot of people have a problem with is virtual sport. You can't kill yourself, so you're you, therefore you have e-courage and e-this, e-that. And I, I was thinking about this the other day. How do you fix that problem? And the answer is very simple. Um, <laughs> you have things that measure everything on the Formula One cars of today. So if you have a big accident, they can tell you what the impact was and generally what it would have done to you if you'd been in a real car. So you can have E-injuries, can't you? Like you're out for a month because you crashed so heavily. And then if you have crashed really heavily, you can have E-death, which means that you're not allowed to race ever again. You have to go off and do e-sports in whatever, you know, tennis. Oh, Joe, when you mentioned this before the show, I thought
2: you meant simulating the injury on the driver... As like, no, no, I didn't.
3: I meant that it's just rules, you oh. know. But that's the well, rules. Is... Of, that's the rules of real motorsport. You see, the rules of real motorsport. If you if you crash hard enough, you hurt yourself. Jamie um, Ryan says, "How about electric shocks?" <laughs> that's a good idea. Or hit them on the head with a mallet if they crash. You know, whatever. But the fact is that you, if you have <laughs> if you have nine lives and just press reset every time you crash, it's not quite the same challenge, is it? Anyway, it's an interesting argument. Okay,
2: in the chat, Paul Vanderpar basically does quotation marks. Esports doesn't have enough death, Joe Sayward 2018. That'll be the headline. No, I didn't
3: say that at all. I think you may have said exactly that, unfortunately. No, I didn't say exactly that. (laughs) You see, that is putting words into the mouth. That is what you would call fake news. What I'm saying is here is a a solution to the problem of how to give esports credibility. That's all. I'm going to have to blow
2: my nose. All right. Okay. Um, you do know there's a Star Trek episode where they do exactly this, this. They simulate the war. And if you were deemed that you would have died in this virtual war, you had to go and report to go and be killed. So uh, that's why I thought you were advocating originally. I mean, I'm glad you've softened that to just like effectively being banned instead.
3: Well, that's what it boils down to. I wasn't suggesting that we should go and shoot people who play esports. No, that's not what I'm suggesting. Put them through minces. No, no, I'm oh, not suggesting I'm that. I'm glad
2: we clarified. I, I'm
3: just suggesting that. Sorry, if you crash big enough, in other words, that puts a risk factor into it. You see, uh, we were talking. We were
2: talking about Rob Smedley. You know,
3: <laughs> yeah, I've on to the esports, there. but there you go, Rob Smedley. Yeah, he's going to have some time off. I think I, don't, I haven't heard him going anywhere else. And and why would anybody go to esports except for money? It's
2: a sorry,
3: shame. Vote for minute E. Yeah rather wow um it's just the money i would think if but i don't think you know if you need if you don't need money why why, why would you do it some people might say it's a challenge it's, i guess it's a bit like me looking at esports and you know, somebody saying well maybe it's something in this formula I will go and have a look at the technology that might excite some engineers from a personality
2: point of view though rob smedley kind of had a place in the f1 fans hearts that other people didn't it was you know, a bit more than just his roguish northern charm, wasn't it? I mean, he—you're not allowed to do. You're not allowed to do those regional accents, you, know? you get into trouble from people. My dad's part Grimsby, so I, I'll get okay. away with it. I've got a somebody. North...
3: Somebody has to be, I suppose. I've got a northern friend. <laughs> That's okay. Okay. Oh well. <laughs> yeah. Good heavens. Well, there you are. Uh, I suppose I'll still talk to you, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, <clears throat> yes, he has a roguish charm about him, doesn't he? But I don't think, um. Does that translate? Are there, is he massively more popular than other engineers? Probably.
2: What name your other favourite race engineer? I think the Smedley sticks out certainly in that category from a media point of view.
1: Well, I think
3: a lot of them are sound like. Um, they sound like they're talking down to the drivers in an appalling fashion you know hello stupid driver don't forget to turn <laughs> left at the first corner yep. <coughs> have He'll you have that. you taken the break off you know these kind of things They they do treat the drivers like they are monkeys um and i think that's wrong so smeders you who know, decent decent enough sort of yeah i ah, go go stick it to him mate you know that sort of stuff that's good um you do hear that from other ones too occasionally but um they do tend to be a little bit dry and a little bit um condescending i think the word is but the relationship between lewis
2: hamilton and his race engineer peter boddington i don't know if i keep getting that wrong but bonington Bonington, that seems perfectly balanced where you've got you know a little bit of fire and a little bit of uh mayo there to cool the salsa of lewis hamilton (laughs) hamilton probably needs someone a bit calming but
3: lewis lewis is no no lewis is pretty calm and in, in he only generally gets um if he doesn't understand what's happening he doesn't he, he asks what's going on why is this happening and sometimes he's absolutely right you know why am i not coming in now um and usually there is an explanation for it which has been thought out many times more than people just doing it there on the spot um you know sometimes it does make sense although it doesn't appear to um so, and sometimes you take a risk, for example, on the tires, uh, in Mexico, it was, I think, um, where they took a risk, you know, oh, no, it was Austin, wasn't it? You come in if he doesn't. Um, basically yeah. the Mercedes has been, has been struggling a little bit on the tires and, um, in recent races. And so you, you, you take risks in, in the hope that things will, come out in your favor and if if you're taking a risk on a tire that's not there and in austin of course you had this situation where there was no practice to actually test everything out in advance it was more difficult to choose so they, they they made a call which which actually would have been quite clever if the tires had been able to do it but the tires weren't able to do it so you know it's it's always the way some whatever you call sometimes it's going to be wrong so the strategists are just like most people you know the strategists are you're on the hiding to nothing because um, when things go right, you look great. And when things go wrong, you look stupid. Did you like
2: the unpredictability brought about by having less practice time? Because obviously lots of people are there suddenly called for, right, let's get rid of all Friday practice. Or do you like the teams competing when they have honed it and they are massively prepared and they are at the top of their game?
3: Well, uh, that's a very interesting question. And I haven't really got an answer that um, I've really thought through. I don't think that you can have race meetings that are shorter than the ones we have because of the amount of money that's charged to have them. So that's one of the key points, which is, um, you know, if we want to go on uh, going to places and getting paid large sums of money, you've got to have action going on for a few days. Um, Is it good that everybody is well prepared? Probably not. It's probably better that people aren't well prepared but you know you're not going to go there and have your stuff sitting in the garage all the time so uh it's kind of a catch-22 i mean i think that that when you have um very little preparation of course it's going to be um a little bit more random um but that's it's the same thing with having money you know the more money you have the less random it is and that's true in every sport you know if you if you look at it the team's in in this world where professionalism has taken over all sport and ruined all sport, to be honest, you know it takes away takes away a lot of the um, the randomness of sport um, with just large sums of money arriving and sports psychologists, all this stuff that comes with money, uh, and it's all down to how important it is to win. You could argue that if you reduce the prize funds, um, you might get better racing
2: because they throw less at it.
3: Well, uh, yeah, because yeah. It's, it becomes less less valuable, but you know that's really not the answer because a lot of them are there for the coverage as well. So it's hard, you know, it's a difficult one. You know, the fact is that we don't really want to go back to, to being where hovercraft racing is now, do we? You know, it's, it's where is hovercraft racing now, by the way, I once saw some hovercraft racing. It was brilliant. And I thought, why is nobody doing this on telly?
2: Tune in for missed apex review of the hovercraft championships Sunday, 8 PM live on YouTube. (laughs) Click subscribe and the little bell, and you'll get a notification every time we go live. Joe, the the fact of being prepared is an interesting one, and it pl- applies to to journalists and podcast guests as well as to teams. If I had tipped you off for this question, you'd have had a more boring answer. But we're going to catch you on the hop now because uh, Roseanne Hooded wants to know, in line with our big argument last night that I'm sure you tuned into, Joe. Who is Joe Sayward's top five F1 drivers of all time? And you're not allowed to say it's pointless comparing between eras because we all know that, but that ruins the
3: game. Well, it is all of that, but <laughs> it would include certainly uh, Jim Clark. It would certainly include Fangio. Oh, I think Jim Clark without a question. I, I'm amazed that people don't put him in there. Um it's only because of ignorance i think more than anything else but uh no no because people have heard of fangio and they so everyone says fangio because he's fangio but you know at the end of the day um what are the criteria for deciding is the most spectacular the best (laughs) driver the most successful it's a really difficult one so you know lewis hamilton has got pretty much everything at the moment um he's on a high he's driving like I mean, in another planet to everybody else. That's great. That was like Senna used to be uh, in his day. Um, And it's inspiring stuff, you know. Um, You have others who didn't live long enough to um, have the careers that they might have had. So it's really a difficult one. But just the numbers don't work for me. Just, you know, saying that he has X number of championships doesn't really work. And, you know, Sterling Moss never had any championships, which is absolutely ludicrous. Who would you say would wanna...
2: are your top five since 1990? Oh, God, I don't know. Top five since 1990. Um, oh, and by the way, while well, you're thinking about that, and European does point out that it's pronounced Jim
3: Clare. It's it's not pronounced Jim Clare. It's Jum Clark, actually, but there you are. Um, since 1990, when well, you've got to have Lewis, you've got to have Senna, Senna, um, mm-hmm by 1990 Prost was past his best so i wouldn't yeah, include him good point. um uh 1990 alonso yes alonso very very good uh, self self defeating however and yes. so you know he had the downside which we've discussed on occasion vettel a little bit the same but he's been you know he very much as a younger man he was much more sort of balanced i think i think you have to have whether you whether you necessarily like it or not you have to put schumacher in there somewhere um, although because he was a very talented guy, although he had a lot of downsides to him as well. So, um, anyone else I've missed out really? I don't think Kimmy quite makes it sadly. Oh. Um, I'm just thinking out loud before no, all, all the Kimmy fans write in and complain. I put um, you on the spot, Joe. You're doing very well. And yeah, beyond that, no, can't <laughs> think of anybody else, so.
2: I want oh. to wrap up this podcast because I've taken 58 minutes of your time already. But I I want to ask you about one of the most interesting characters in Formula One in recent times. And that's Daniel Ricciardo, clearly a very talented racer, has seemed to struggle a little bit against Max Verstappen, both in the political game and the, the on-track results game. But of late, he has displayed a few worrying signs for Daniel Ricciardo fans that... Uh, ever-present grin has been replaced with things like punching a hole in the locker room or screaming and shouting past a camera or saying that his car is cursed. Uh, You know, obviously that's tongue-in-cheek. But we have seen a real uh, change of tone from Daniel Ricciardo at the end of this season. And and interestingly for me, Horner I don't think says anything by accident. Why did Horner reveal that he would punched a hole in the locker room? That says to me that it sort of betrays a little bit of an underlying breakdown in that
3: relationship no i don't think that's true i think what it does is that it reveals just how competitive daniel ricardo is and i think that sometimes when you get smiley on the tv you don't necessarily understand how much this guy wants to win so you know he's very keen to win but he 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 disguises it beneath the you know the, the wisecracking big grin kind of guy now right now he's going through five kinds of beep all at the same time and he's not having any fun so i can i can see why he's getting very frustrated and i can see why he thinks he's cursed maybe maybe who knows he he did something appalling once and some little old lady cast a spell upon him you know maybe maybe some people are just unlucky some people are you know a lot of careers have, have been ruined by bad luck and a lot of careers have been made by good luck. So, you know, luck is very much a part of success. Now, Daniel has to move on. I think that's perfectly logical that he's done that because Max is that slightly bit faster and therefore he needs to be somewhere else. I think his choice of going to Renault is not a bad choice. Now, we need to see Renault step up to the to the mark a bit more, but he is, he is bargaining on them doing that, which is a, an interesting bet because you think, well, they haven't done much in the last four years. But... Let us not forget that Renault is among the biggest car companies in the world. There are now three of them fighting for the title of being the biggest, and Renault is one of them. And therefore, in principle, they should be able to beat these flibbity gibbet companies like Mercedes-Benz and Ferrari, <laughs> who in, in the scale of Renault and company are tiny in comparison. We'll see. We'll see how, if, if uh, his luck changes, we'll see. I mean, he's already been lucky in lots of ways because he came up through the uh, the Red Bull scheme, that was luck. I mean, it was based on his talent, but it was luck. Uh, he got picked over Jean-Éric Venn by the tiniest of margins. You know, it was a really mm-hmm. tiny margin between the two of them. It wasn't clear cut who was better. And so you'd say he was lucky in that respect. So, you know, there's 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 lots of uh, good and bad. And and uh, I think at the moment he's just having a lot of bad. Gotcha. I never mess with those people with black hats and a hat. Black hats, always bad. I, had, I met one of them in the supermarket the other day. It was Halloween,
2: I think. Well, wasn't expecting that. It's good good knowledge to have. Can't unknow it. Joe Saywood, you can be found on www.motorsportweek.com forward slash Joe Saywood. Your green notebooks are epic, Joe. They're like a mini novella.
3: Well, that's what it's all about. It's about taking people around the world with you and showing them the way, um, which is what I, I hope to do. And incidentally, if you, if you do www.joblogsf1.com, it's much better. It, it goes to the same page. Yes. Right. Joe Blog Joe Blogs is a great name. Come on, you must get the joke. I get the joke. I eventually got the joke. 1G, by the way, 1G. 1G, not 2. Because otherwise you'll probably end up with some plumber somewhere.
2: Follow Joe on Twitter, at Joe Sayward. Myself, at Spanners Ready. And the show, at Missed Apex F1. Join us for our Brazilian race review. Until next time, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. It's Spanners and Joe, Inside F1. I mean, the unedited version is worth the price of entry for the live stream. The audio version is edited with the advisement of our lawyers.